0: Welcome to another Ember Weekend. I'm Jonathan Jackson. And I'm Chase McCarthy. And we are Ember Weekend. We're going to talk about some newsy type things and uh, also stuff. I'm uh, broadcasting out of Providence with my house that actually has furniture now. This was uh, an endeavor to, to make that happen, make that a reality. I'm excited about it. Is it all like IKEA furniture or is it like real furniture? It's real furniture from my last place, but there is uh, when you do a cross-country move, you can either haul your own truck, which sounds pretty awful to me personally, um, or hire a service like Pods, which is what I did. And of course, there's like waiting Around that you have to do before it can be in the right place. Also, I had to get a, a parking permit for the street. It was it was yeah. a lot of uh, yeah. And
1: then you get and then you, get to, and then you get to watch them take your all of your stuff like ten feet off the ground and just drop it. Oh yeah. Just, yes, yeah. And you're just like, well, yeah. I got to buy a bunch of new mirrors.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, it all turned out great. Now I'm uh, I am happily settled and uh, in Providence, and it's it's all nice. It's a little warm, but mostly. Uh, mostly good not as warm as where you're at of course oh man yeah don't mention it So before we dive into it, I want to take a second to talk about the sponsor stuff that we added into the episode last week. So um, as many of you might know from our anniversary episodes, Chase and I have for about two and a half years, about 104 episodes maybe, done all of the Ember Weekend stuff at our own expense, and we were happy to do so. It's a really great opportunity for a lot of reasons, but lately we've noticed that audio quality is really difficult to get right, and um, we wanted to do more ambitious things like like maybe have more interviews and some other things. So we decided to uh, reach out to 201 Created, which is the company I work for, for sponsorship so that we could um, basically hire an editor. So we've done that, and uh, in a second, we're going to play a spot from them. But uh, yeah, that brings us to another point that I want to mention is that we have an editor now, um, and we'll be doing post-credit stuff to, for attribution, basically. And uh, his name is Joel North, and we'll have some information at the end, at the post-credit, for, for him. But he does some great work, and we're really excited to be working with an editor who um, kind of makes the sound better.
1: Oh yeah, we actually got comments on it the very first episode, we didn't say anything, and somebody who had, uh, they had mentioned a couple times that our mic quality was kind of being weird because we were kind of moving and traveling, and we were like, yeah, we're trying to fix it, thanks for the feedback. Uh, and then and then like the week we got the editor, he's like, hey, audio quality was great this week.
0: And we hadn't even mentioned it. <laughs> yeah, it was very exciting. Yeah, it was so good, it was so good. So uh, so we're really excited about that. Hopefully this will open up the opportunity for us to do more interviews and uh, tackle maybe more ambitious episodes in the future. So um, I guess with that, we'll dive right into uh, our sponsors. Hello, I'm Corey. And I'm Matt.
1: Matt and I started our consulting company, 201 Created, five years ago. We've been passionate about Ember and its community since we started and are proud to be able to sponsor Ember Weekend. Our clients have included Fortune 50 companies and why Combinator startups. If your team needs Ember training or advice or wants to learn how to make open source work for you, visit us at www.201-created.com or follow us on Twitter at 201 TWO underscore OH underscore ONE. Thanks for listening and enjoy the podcast.
0: So, okay, so the first thing we're going to talk about today is that there is a, a new website or new service that's called Ember CLI diff. By Marcelo Dominguez and uh, and some and some friends at uh, website that he posted into the announcements channel that escapes me. We'll make sure to have a link in the show notes. And basically, uh, I don't know if uh, y'all remember, but I wrote a blog post um, a couple of weeks ago now, uh, maybe sometime in March, about basically like the upgrade uh, guide to Ember CLI and like how I approach it. And one of the things that I do regularly is. I use the GitHub diffing tool to see the what's different in the standard blueprints from one CLI version to another and Unfortunately, that's a little cumbersome, and I think the only reason it's cumbersome is because I don't ever remember the the available tags. First off, I think that's a that's a big thing. Like I want to know. I, usually, you have to go to the Ember CLI repo, drop the tags down, see. Okay, well, I want to go to the latest, so that's you know two thirteen blah blah blah, and then you enter that in. You you copy and paste this URL, um, and you update the two tags to show the diff. And that's not too bad. It, you know, it's just a little bit of extra work. And what Marcelo was able to do is write a a service that just lets you have two dropdowns and you just drop them down, press a button, and it just does it. Uh, And it's very fast and it's super easy and very convenient. So I think this is definitely worth a bookmark. It definitely will help with upgrade. I think that that's the, the best way to do it is to get that like diff view. So you kind of see it, the granular changes from the version you're on to the version you're going to.
1: Yeah, definitely. I I, uh, I really appreciate the the edit tool in Ember uh, CLI. Like when you're when you're doing the upgrade, and I I think I sometimes can get it right, but seeing <laughs> seeing it in a website, yeah, because you know most of the time you go to edit it and it's like your diff is invalid now. Like you know yep. you you want to keep the stuff you know is legit. So a lot of times you just have to like look at it, remember it and then go back and edit the file after the yeah. upgrade is done. Um and this is nice cuz you can have this open and just be looking at your code and like, oh, that's what changed, this is what changed, this is what changed uh, without having to try to manually edit the diff. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so so I uh, I have like a, you know, a bookmark folder for Ember related resources that I find useful and I definitely added this because I think in the future upgrades are inevitable and and I think this will definitely save some time for me. So uh, I recommend it pretty highly. It's at uh, www.mvdwg.org slash ember-cli-diff. So uh, check it out. Uh, we'll be sure to have a link in the show notes um, as usual. So, uh, yeah.
1: All right, and the next thing we're going to talk about is a blog post by Dockyard uh, called Accelerated Mobile Pages, which is AMP. Uh, what are you willing to sacrifice from speed for speed? Uh, and this is by Jessica Corosa. Uh, I hope I'm saying that right. Uh, She's their marketing director. So I'm guessing she deals a lot with like AMP and the people requesting it or talking about it and like analytics, all that kind of stuff. You know, how do you get good SEO juice? And right now, like a lot of the conversation seems to be around AMP. And this article kind of goes into how AMP is making you give up quite a bit to get this like higher ranking by Google. And is that really kind of like, I guess the purpose of the web, or is that really, is that really an open standard at that point? When when you're sacrificing all of your analytics and these open standards for whatever Google tells you is uh, the recommended way for them, so that you appear higher on the search index.
0: Yeah, it's like it's like going from this like distributed like you know utopia that you kind of already have with the web. It's not a utopia, obviously. It's not a utopia, but uh, <laughs> to, to this walled garden where a single company has the opportunity to say, hey. Um, I'm going to, you know, not show you uh, at the same rank or 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 something like that, or or you have to conform to all of my non-standard HTML tags, or you have to limit your CSS size, that sort of thing. And there's a whole bunch of other reasons why AMP is pretty much not a good idea for the open web. And the more, more, I think this, the reason I really wanted to bring this up. And I talked to Chase about this beforehand. Is that as a consultant, um, and I think I even made a, a, a glib comment about how you're in happy product land where the grass is always greener, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm, it's always green in like legacy apps. Like, oh, I don't oh, yeah, know if yeah. you know. No, it's super green. Yeah. Anyways, so, uh, <laughs> so um, yeah, uh, basically in the consulting space, we come across things where if you're trying to pitch a client or something like that, they will have read articles from Google. And Google is this massive corporation that says, "Hey, AMP is the future, and you have to have a compelling argument that makes business sense." So, what are you will, what are you sacrificing here? This is a very solid argument against you know really like putting too much resource behind AMP. So, if you can get it for free, maybe it makes sense. But typically, I think the the argument here is to basically um, sidestep this, and a lot of this is if it's if it's about speed, then the argument kind of falls apart for amp because amp requires you to load like you know google javascript and you know, you lose your analytics and stuff like that. So I don't think that's a really compelling case. And if it is the case, then a compelling counter argument would be to say, you know, progressive web apps tend to um, offer a lot of the same benefits and they're all open standards and they're either, either they're already here, like in the case of Chrome, like service workers already a thing that you can use like right now, or, you know, in the case of mobile Safari, they're probably, you know, coming in the next little while, um, a little while is a very relative term here. But there's a lot of ways to sidestep it to where you don't need to use AMP. And the only real benefit to using AMP that I can see right now is that you get higher priority to be in the carousel return search results. But I don't know about you, but I'd ignore those by and large. So maybe that's not true all the time, but
1: well, the thing is, I think that AMP really appeals to a very specific set of people producing content for the internet, and it's like one of one of the from the articles we were reading, that's not e-commerce, and that's like a massive portion of you know what, what I use the internet for. So sure. AMP already doesn't support that. So what what are they really geared at? And it seems like it's really for like blogging style content, like recipe pages or blog posts or things like that they're not like amp's not going to take over YouTube it doesn't support JavaScript so it can't have very rich experience, user experiences it can only really have like content loaded in and you can scroll and that's about it and you have links to other things it's for a very small part of the web well
0: I, I think you can have JavaScript if as long as it's loaded asynchronously right isn't isn't that how it works I this was I don't know this was saying doesn't support JavaScript uh, the, the the stuff I was reading okay well I haven't actually I, I we, we we you and I definitely Dabbled with AMP for our blog, where we basically got it for free as an add-on to Ghost. But I, apart from that, I'm not 100% certain.
1: Yeah, I mean, well, the example they showed was like loading in analytics, and like if you want to load it, you have to load in some JavaScript, and so the one you load in is is this this Google Analytics uh, tag manager and those kinds of things through specific like tags. Like you define a tag with an async JavaScript tag that has like a custom element that it creates, and then you use that element. In your page, and it's all—it's a very weird way to develop websites. But I think most people don't deal with it. They just like use a WordPress plugin, or like us, I use a Ghost plugin. Like right. they don't really know how it works at a low level. They just know that I, I wrote a blog, and the service I have just automatically generates the right content for AMP pages. But I don't think most people really code this by hand. Yeah, but I but I do know that like a lot of the complaints seem to be around like oh I can't use Mixpanel and I can't use Kissmetrics with Google. I have to now like for these pages I lose all of my control
0: of all my metrics and I can't have a single page app. Uh, like that's that's if- so funny to me like not being able to use Google Analytics and a Google product. Like it seems like they they benefit from having that information for their own searches, search like you know search uh, algorithms and stuff. So I guess they're they're still probably collecting all that information. They're just only giving you like whatever they give you for amp. Uh you're trying to like well, like the metrics they gather? Yeah. Well, I mean, like Google Analytics gives you a bunch of information and you don't have all the same information from the amp metrics. So, I are they just not able to do it because they're trying to reduce the size of the Google Analytics package I, or like uh, JavaScript? Yeah, this is one of the things where it's really hard. Like I
1: use Google Analytics for most of most of the sites I make anyway. So it's like it's like Fundamentally, like, it doesn't hurt me because sometimes I use Mixpanel, but I, I'm just as comfortable in, in GA. Um, but it, to me, it's the idea that it's this like, no, now you're forced to, and now now I don't want to do that. Like, um, yeah, but, yeah, but, I but, guess. But I mean, that's true. and it's also this thing that like all of those analytics you're giving to Google, they like they own that. You can see the data, but they're the ones who own it. Uh, whereas a lot of the other services, um, I want to say it wasn't Mixpanel. There was a, one of the services I was using. You could qu- really easily download all of your all of your data and delete your account, like you actually owned the data or at least had full access to it. And I mean, maybe they have some ability to use it for, you know, like they were talking about the study that Kissmetrics did that like if your web page takes three seconds to load, you lose 40% of your users. The reason why they're able to do that study is that they basically can look at all of your data. And that's what, that's where the value in these analytics are. And it feels like that's the play here is that they want to control more and more of the the analytics data and actually force by standard that you use their service?
0: Yeah, it seems it seems like not a very good idea. I, this this blog post uh, was really good to kind of give you like salient points that you can bring up at a, a meeting where you're trying to pitch. Hey, let's use progressive web apps. Like maybe that's the future, or it could be. You know, if we if we all kind of collectively group around it, and AMP is you know it, it has a lot of problems, and here's some well articulated uh, reasons why why you might not want to to dive into it. Um, yeah. you know. Well, one of the things I wanted to mention is that, like
1: uh, in the beginning when we started researching this, I was like, I was trying to figure out whether there was one person I knew that was actually on board with AMP and was actually like an Ember developer and was like, no, yeah, AMP is the way to go. And I couldn't think of any. We neither neither one of us knew know somebody like that. If if you are like, let us know. We'd we'd like to hear about it.
0: Yeah, I would. Yeah, I'd love to hear like a a a counter case for actually using AMP. Absolutely. Well, well, but then I mean,
1: we you extend it further. I've never heard somebody even from a, a React camp or Angular or any, mm-hmm. any JavaScript framework, and it makes a lot of sense because if you're a heavy JavaScript app, this kind of like it's impossible to to render your app as an AMP page, uh, and so so I, I don't think we're going to find any support, and even even like not even this micro bubble of Ember, but like you know the entire JavaScript community uh, or at least front end. So it's like really now you got to reach out to like PHP developers and be like, do you think AMP is a good idea? Like, and I don't even know
0: any PHP developers. Well, I know some PHP developers. I actually, I actually think it would be nice to to get a, a broader uh, take on this. But yeah, I, I don't, I don't think it's very good for the open web. I think that's the that's the real crux of it. And it's like the deviation from standards bodies and the the fact that you have to load in Google's JavaScript. Uh, it, it seems. Uh, not good, not good. So, anyways, check out the blog post. It's a very uh, short read, maybe five ten minutes, and like I said, it gives you some really compelling, uh, uh, salient points about why it might not be in your best interest to to heavily invest in AMP. So, um, which I I think I'm on board with that message. So, unless unless you have a ghost blog, yeah, unless you have a ghost blog, you can get it, it for it- absolute free, and you still post it to a normal like a normal <laughs> site. So right. <laughs> Hashtag amber, AmberWeekend.com slash blog. <laughs> yeah, slash AMP. Yeah, slash AMP. Sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so the last thing we're going to talk about is actually kind of an older post. So in the in the last few months, uh, Chase and I have been traveling and moving and uh, doing uh, a couple of interviews. I know Sam for sure. And we, we let this one slide. This is from March, and it's by Chad Hayatala and Sarah Clatterbuck about... Basically, Glimmer blazing fast rendering for Ember.js, and there's a couple of like really salient points. We've probably touched on some of this before around spe- specifically around uh, the Glimmer like changes around like opcodes and t- you know conforming the AST into like a set of opcodes and allowing that to be much smaller over the wire. And basically, I know I know for a fact that we've already mentioned the fact that you know there's usually some some large template uh, reduction size uh, that are just like a straight up win. Like you just, you just reduce the the size and this blog post kind of outlines a lot more in, in, in much more detail of like what's happening and why we're seeing those reductions in size. And then, uh, this is a thing that I didn't really, um, I didn't really think about. And that is basically if you reduce the size, but you just are offloading that problem to the client, it would only be a win for clients where they have, you know, great processors or on like an iPhone or something like that, but have limited network connectivity, so it's not necessarily a, a, a total win. And what they were finding is they, they use a different metric. It's called uh, RUM. It's like real user metrics or something. Um, and they see that you know the real load time improvement across their flagship application was ten to fifteen percent. And that means that you know you reduce the file size or the the payload size by forty percent, um, but the real user improvement was about ten to fifteen percent increased uh, load time. So I think that's really interesting uh to think about that as like it's not just like you you can't measure any one metric necessarily and be like, oh, this thing is what what we care about. Instead you kind of have to think about like how does how does this affect our user base and really kind of like make it more an experience-driven uh metric, if you can.
1: Yeah, I, I like that, that that it was basically like um most people were just uh saying, Oh, this is great, my template size went down. And it's kind of implying that the app's performance is better, um, or some part of it is the download time or something. And I like that this uh, mentions that no, there is an end user kind of result that is the real goal. That that's just an intermediate kind of goal, and that that it's not it's not forty percent, but it's 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 pretty big. Actually, uh, the interesting thing is, ten to fifteen percent seems like that means that they don't actually have as many templates as they do uh, as much. Template code as they do JavaScript code, and actually, it's, it's the better your app gets, like the more componentized your app gets, the the closer that number will get to, to you know the smaller that number will get. Because um, I know that uh, I'm on an app now that has a ton of templates, like more than half of the size of the JavaScript is templates. So I would probably see a much better load time improvement. Um, but that means that the templates could be could be reduced down to something more component like, uh, and uh, and so that's it's an interesting thing to think about that you do need to measure both aspects.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely making me think about how benchmarking happens and I think that uh, LinkedIn does an exceptional job of of really like exploring like how how these changes that they do or to their code base actually affect real users and that's pretty interesting. So yeah, and this is uh, this says it that uh, so part of the title it's uh, Glimmer Blazing Fast Rendering for Ember.js JS Part One. So that implies obviously that there's going to be multiple parts. So this is something that I think you may want to tune into. Um, this was on the uh, the LinkedIn Engineering blog. So maybe uh, you know I don't know if they have a subscription thing or like a way to like kind of follow it along or something like that. But um, it seems like there's going to be a lot more to come. In this space, so it's really, like I said, it's really a lot more in depth than what we're giving it credit for here. It definitely merits a, a read, and I really, I think uh, it's cool to see like how much can be accomplished when you know, like really smart people are working on a, a big problem like this. So LinkedIn has done a really good job with that. Yeah, so keep an eye out for the uh, the, the next part, the follow ups. Uh, I think we're gonna see some really cool things. I know that uh, there's already been some blog posts around engines and stuff at LinkedIn, and there's likely gonna be a lot more cool stuff coming there, so, so yeah, so check it out. All right, thanks for uh, listening uh, through the end. You get uh, another point, I guess. Is that is that how we measure it, Chase? Is it points? R- right. It's like um it's like experience points. It's like champion points. Champion points. Nice, nice. Yeah. Okay. Or SR scrolls online. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've been playing I've been playing a lot of Overwatch, it's like SR, I guess, or something like that. Um, but uh, yeah, so I'm Jonathan Jackson. And I'm Chase McCarthy. And uh, and we'd like to mention that uh, our editor is Joel North. He does a great job of editing all of our audio. And if you'd like to follow along with us in the future, you can follow us at Ember Weekend All1Word on Twitter or subscribe to our RSS and iTunes. You can search for Ember Weekend. I think that you can search for it, either all one word or two words. It's up to you. Uh, And you should be able to find us on most of your podcast readers. And we will see you next week.
1: Yep, see you next week.